Hello and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.iamwomanproject.com.au. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at I Am Woman Project and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have one very courageous and adventurous woman, Ebony Allard. Ebony is a certified life and business coach, a misfit turned maven, an author and an adventurer who dedicates her days to inspiring and enabling misfit freelancers, business owners and entrepreneurs to feel less ah and more ah. Ebony shares with us how hitting rock bottom is the solid foundation on which she built her life. It was when the pain of staying the same became greater than the pain of changing. It is her mission to help individuals live a fully rounded, three-dimensional, successful and self-governed life where they can thrive. She is all about leaning into life's adventurous twists and turns and encourages everyone to reconnect with their inner wisdom. At her core, she believes that it is our responsibility to shine, to bring our gifts to the world, and to encourage others to do the same. So now let's get into the show and enjoy. Welcome, Ebony Allard, to I Am One Project. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. Now, I love the name of your company, The Entrepreneur Enabler. How did you come up with that? I came up with it, uh, really, it was um, sitting down and working out what is it that I actually do. <laughs> and um, for me, entrepreneurialism is more about seizing opportunity and, and taking action than necessarily being you know someone who owns lots of companies or, or works for themselves so it's a little broader than that but I enable people to do that to seize opportunity and to take action love it so Ebony tell us a little bit about yourself just so that the listeners can actually connect with you and who you are Okay, so um, I've had quite a varied um, upbringing, quite unusual in as much as I've never had a proper, in inverted commas, job in my life. So uh, my first career was in the film industry and I, anyone who's worked in that world will know that it's a kind of work hard, play hard thing and I suffered burnout really quite badly and it was at the time of the recession, so I decided to um, set up a, a company and called My Girl Friday, which was a freelance virtual assistant and personal assistant business. And I started it from uh, a place of debt, and not long after I started the company, I, I ended up 
homeless, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point. And but I built this company and I was at rock bottom. So I built it with nothing to lose and everything to gain. And that company, I had a lot to prove and it grew very quickly. And I you know, got myself in a house again. I made my best friend, my business partner. Um, within three years, we were on the outside doing incredibly well. We were winning awards, having a really nice time. And yet on the inside, I was miserable. I wasn't letting anyone in. Anyone in. I wasn't delegating. I wasn't uh, really feeling good. And I reached a place of uh, breakdown and took myself off to Bali, where I spent three months or four months in total really being rather than doing and learning who I was and going through all of the um, lies and the truths of the therapy and the yoga and the personal development and all the work that I'd done over the years and really pulling out what was true and what was important and came back and started the Entrepreneur Enabler and that was three years ago and I now have a business that not only looks good on the outside, but also feels good on the inside. And really, it's my mission to help uh, people, but predominantly women, to create lives as extraordinary as they are that feel as good on the inside as they look on the outside. Oh, I love that. It's beautiful. And what a journey. I mean, going from the whole, I'm thinking like, how would I cope being homeless? What was that like? Um, I think, you know, I need to contextualize it for people. So I wasn't on the streets and it wasn't for a huge amount of time. You know, I was living out of my car and sofa surfing. So staying with friends where I could. And it was for a total of three and a half months. And, and now, you know, as I describe it, if I can, rem you know, I really remember what it felt like to, to never be alone and to be relying on other people. And, that was the hardest part for me. You know, I, I went from being an incredibly strong woman, someone with a career who solved problems for everybody and who was the go-to person for everybody else to learning humility, really, and having to ask for help, like having to ask for help. And so it was not just physically difficult, you know, to, to not have anywhere to put your stuff and to have to you know, leave and, and get rid of all of your possessions and, and survive, you know, on your own and without things, which is uh, interesting in itself, but also emotionally quite difficult. Yeah, I, I personally haven't experienced it, but I can resonate with asking for help. It's it's one of those things that I find we, you know, I, I find it hard to ask for help. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's it, why do you think we find it hard to ask for help? I think it's actually comes down to the way that vulnerability is perceived as weakness when actually it's something quite beautiful and to you know if I think about it now the other way around when somebody asks for me for help and they're open to receiving it's an absolute honor it's a pleasure to be able to help them and I just hadn't seen it that way when I was on the receiving end and so when we are when we on when we're not really asking for help, but we need, you know, we need it when we're battling with that, then we're also not really able to receive it. And I, and I think that is just a societal thing. I think it's the way it's set up. And I, I really hope that we can 
reframe it. And I think the work of Brené Brown and, and lots of other people around vulnerability and reframing it as something else, something that enables us to connect, will really help with that. Absolutely. And I think that there is so much more. I mean, I was the same too. You know, I had um, a bit of a meltdown back in 2011 in New York and my story just came out um, over the weekend and I was uh, feeling so vulnerable because it was a deep, dark secret of mine and uh, I was having these uh, internal conversations with myself where, you know, I was looking at that, you know, people are going to look at me and they're going to see me in a different light and they're going to see me as being weak. And I was thinking, well, that is the meaning I give that information. Why can't I look at that as being strong and courageous instead? Because some of the people that read the, the article had actually sent me emails saying, how courageous of you. And I thought, isn't it bizarre that one, 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 you know, one mindset might look at that as courageous and another mindset, mindset might look at that as weakness? And I absolutely think if you read somebody else's story, you may very well tell them that they were strong, you know, that they came through that and they showed resilience and that those are all signs of strength. But when it's ourselves, it's actually linked with shame as yes. well. And that that's the crux of it. It's like if when if you're able to own it, if you're able to be proud of it, if you uh, are okay with what happened, then it then it's a strength. But whilst we aren't willing really to look at it and whilst it feels uncomfortable for us, then it becomes a vulnerability or a weakness. Absolutely. And, and when I think about it, it's actually really taken me about five years to come out and share my story. And really, and the only reason I did it is I think that if there's other women out there that have experienced this, that's what my, this is what I want to do. This is my purpose in life is to help other women. And who's to say that there's nobody else out there that had gone through the same thing? And it's it's exactly like yourself. I mean, you wouldn't be where you are without those experiences. I think those experiences make us who we are, as tough Absolutely. as they were at the time. Completely. You know, don't get me wrong. I don't want to go back there. I have no need to go back there. Yeah. But honestly, given my time again, I wouldn't do it any different. Oh yeah, I agree. I, I'm the same. I wouldn't. There's no way I ever want to go back there. But I'm so grateful from that experience, and I embrace that experience. I don't have any regrets. Yeah. So you sound like a very, uh, you know, like I said, you're an entrepreneur enabler. So I would. Uh, I'm just curious as to what drives you, what gets you out of bed in the morning and makes you jump out and go, "This is what I'm going to attack today." Honestly, it's the connections that I get to have with people. Um, it's it's seeing people blossom and make friends with themselves and trust themselves. Um, I uh, I recently wrote a book about my journey, and it's also you know got a handbook and, and stuff in there. And there's a lot of incredibly intimate, honest, personal information in that book. And I really battled um, with publishing it because. Ah, a lot of other people probably wouldn't have gone to the extent of honesty that I did. And what has happened now, and one of the things that I jump out of bed for in the morning is the emails that I get from women particularly who have read it, who said, you know, our life stories are not the same, but our experiences are so different. And thank you for sharing that because I felt like I was alone. And so anyone that I can help with uh, really understanding that they're not alone and that they belong and that there's a place for them in the world, that's that's what drives me. That's my mission. Oh, it's beautiful. And when you're talking about belonging, connection, I mean, that's the number one human need. So it's, it's a... Um 
it's something that everyone uh, aspires to have in their life so in some way shape or form whether you call it love connection belonging it's it's uh, it's beautiful and if that's your driver no wonder you've gone from is it misfit to ma- to maven yeah i yeah. love it so we were talking about that before so we were talking about the pronunciation shall we sh- share that with our listeners <laughs> go for it i'm going to okay. make it so i was just reading about about um uh, Ebony, and it says here, uh, author of the book Misfit to Haven, and it's got from R to R. And Ebony was explaining to me that uh, Americans say "arg" to R, which I thought that was yeah. quite amusing and quite funny. How did you come up with that title? I love it. So um, a misfit really to me is um, anyone who is too creative, too innovative, too geeky or just too full of hearts to clock in and clock out of a job and or life. And um, so and often I have felt like the outsider or um, uh, a round peg in a square hole. And so and that was my experience for such a long time. And this journey that I've been on and the work that I do took me to a place of um, feeling confident and being an expert in my field through the experience that I've been on. Um, and my family background or ancestral heritage is, is Jewish. And the word maven um, is an old Jewish word originally, which means um, an expert through experience. And um, so I've kind of redefined my definition of it as somebody who um, is kind of awake kicking us being kind um and taking responsibility for themselves in the world but you know and really owning who they are and their their point of difference oh i love it that's amazing so with the benefits of hindsight what would you have done differently in your life or career oh i always find that question difficult because honestly i would do it i I would do it all the same because because just like we were saying, because of where I am now and, and the lessons I've learned and the amount of empathy that it gives me. You know, I'm uh, working with clients at the moment and the thing that I get and hear time and time again is that I create a space in which it's okay for anything to come up and we can talk about it all and that they don't feel judged and that there's a place for them. And a lot of that comes from the, the roller coaster that I've been on and the experiences that I've had and often the failures you know that I've had yeah. so if I hadn't experienced that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have the level of connection that I do with people now so I, honestly I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing yeah so when you, you're um, dealing with I guess uh, a whole range of different types of personalities and and I guess your your focus is with working with women What's the commonality that you find when you are working with women? What's the common thing they come to you with? It's dressed up as confidence, right? So very often in our first chat, they will tell me that the the problem, the issue or the challenge is a lack of confidence. And when I probe them further and ask, what is confidence? Where does it come from? How do you get confidence? that's when we really unpick what's personal to them and what's going on. And what it really is, is a lack of trust of their intuition. And I, without getting too feminist about it, I just, I I really believe that the world that we are living in is set up in a patriarchal way. And um, it's very about, it's very much about doing things in a linear motion and 
um, and with an external focus. And we therefore haven't really cultivated our feminine muscles, our, our intuition. Um, and if I can help people connect to their own sense of self and to trust themselves and their, their yes, their no, you know, all of that, then that's where confidence comes from because it, it, it's an inside-out thing rather than an outside-in, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, it makes sense. And when I think about it, well, trust is such a big word, isn't it? I mean, you know, there's there's different levels of trust, but when you're talking about trusting yourself, it's actually really backing yourself. And that's one of the commonalities that I see too with women. My Predominantly, I work in a corporate space. It's interesting to see uh, women... You know, when opportunities come, when opportunities come up, uh, a woman uh, may, or the majority of women that I've worked with, they may hesitate. Whereas, uh, you know, their counterparts, the male, um, uh, their counterpart, their male partners, uh, would jump at the chance and then worry about how to do it later. Whereas they tend to be a little bit more hesitant, and it is that trust factor. It's about backing themselves and believing that they can do the job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of that really comes down to a kind of a fundamental question that uh, I ask quite often: like, do you believe that the world, um, or the you know the universe, whatever you want to call it, this space that we are living in, is a safe place or uh, a hostile one? And all of our decisions really come down to that because mm-hmm. if we believe that we are, and again, like in our bodies and and, and as ourselves, like if you believe that you are safe. Um, and that you've got the capability to pick up the pieces, whatever happens, whatever those consequences are, that you can deal with it, then you will make that move and you'll take that risk or you'll jump in or you'll say yes and figure out how to do it later. And if you don't, if you don't believe that you know how to, uh, then that's where the hesitation comes from and then we've got a choice. Like, okay, well, what skills do you need? And are they you know, practical physical skills or, or are they more the soft skills, you know, the, that emotional intelligence, that moral intelligence or body intelligence? Okay, so that's that's actually good advice because I was about to ask you how to, so when people are self-doubting themselves and ha- maybe not have the confidence, what do you work through to get them to where they need to get to to be able to put themselves in those situations? Really understanding and, and developing that awareness. For me, that's the key thing. Like what... What is the worst case scenario? What mm. is it that you're fearful of? What is the fear and the doubt? And then once we can name it and really identify it, then we can come up with strategies to go over, around, or through that. Yeah. And once you've practiced that a couple of times with maybe something smaller and then maybe something a little bit bigger, then your confidence will grow, your trust will grow, your ability to risk will grow. Yeah, so true. So, so true. So, Ebony, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Um, I completely can't remember what I said and what I, what I, I planned this and it's disappeared. I guess it's uh, to trust myself and to... Uh, either to trust myself or, or really to to live. Like I remember being asked once or somebody telling me, um, what is the point of life? And the response was, it's to live, so are you. Um, and I think I connect in with that on those days and, and check in with myself, like am I really living? And, and so when you're checking in with yourself on a daily basis, is that what that point is? It's just that one question, am I really living? Yeah. Like to um, you know, this the there's 
uh, a quote about Steve Jobs where he says, you know, that if for three days in a row he isn't liking what's going on or he's not happy in his life, then he'll look at changing it. I, I can't remember the exact words of that quote, but I, it really ring, rings true for me. It, it really resonates. So I really believe that my life um, can be full of joy and the things that I love to do. That doesn't mean, you know, all of it. I, I don't love... Uh, doing my bookkeeping or paying my taxes but they lead to something that I do love which is the freedom to run my own business and to, and to uh, have a life uh, that's set out in the way that I want it to be with a lot of freedom so yes I do check in with myself quite regularly am I living does this feel good that's good to hear because a lot of people actually I think everything with you know technology fast pace people don't actually stop or give themselves the space to pause and actually check in with themselves and I think that that's um, that's where people get really stuck and, and the checking in is the only way that you become aware of what's going on. Absolutely. And, and for me, that's become a routine. You know, I, I um, speak to a lot of people who have very rigid daily routines, like uh, entrepreneurs who have a, a morning routine and an evening routine, like things that they do every day. And for me, that's a little rigid. I like the flexibility and the flowing of being able to shake it up or change it up. But there is one uh, one thing that I do every day, and that's when I first wake up in the morning, I gift myself half an hour where it's just me, where I don't switch on my phone, where I don't look at my emails, and I just do a scan, and I check in with, uh, with I, I do a, a PIES process, so PIES is P-I-E-S, physical, intellectual, emotional and spiritual how am I feeling and it's just it is not for judgment not to do anything about it but just to check in and to have that level of awareness like what where is hurting in my body or does it feel good like and how um, how am I feeling uh, in, emotionally what's the story that I'm telling myself about the day that I'm about to have um, and could I could I change that and what do I want for the day what's my intention and then I get up and I go about my business Oh, I love that. I love checking in with the different, the, the, the four types of your body. So your physical, your emotional, your mental and your spiritual. I love that. Yeah. So Ebony, what is the greatest lesson that you have ever learned? Um, I think it really, I, and, and I realize I'm, I'm going around in circles with this, but it really is to trust myself, to trust my intuition and that I um, can do be or have anything that I want in the world uh, and in my life as long as I believe it and as long you know sometimes that means putting in the work sometimes that means trusting more sometimes that means getting help um, and that I don't have to do it all alone that that was a huge lesson for me that other people can help me and, and was that when you were talking about earlier on about being homeless is that where you're connecting this with so that you are feeling I guess uncomfortable you were you were starting to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because obviously you were in a space where you had to ask for help um, is that is that what you're talking about absolutely and I think that was the, the first time for sure um, I needed that to happen to me almost twice in order to to really learn that so you know the first time was the shift from the TV industry and the homelessness um, that was absolutely having to ask for help but that felt like like I had to like I didn't have a choice about it um, and when when my when I was going through kind of a more emotional and mental breakdown where I 
was doing everything myself and building the company and I just wouldn't let anyone in or wouldn't help because I felt like I had to do it all myself. What what has changed since then and the realization I made, I guess, through that is that I have a choice that I can ask people to help, that that maybe that could be an enjoyable experience. Um, And if I look back at it now and compare it to the team that I have working with me now, it's just insane. You know, I get so much more done and it's so much more fun because I involve other people and it's not just a case of having to delegate in order to get everything done, but it's a joyful experience and it is really about that collaboration and connection. Sure. And when you're talking about getting comfortable, uh, you know, I always always say that the only way we're going to grow is by getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, you know, and a lot of the leaders that I work with and, you know, high performers is they actually seek to feel discomfort. So when they become complacent, they actually look at what can I do to stretch myself so that I become uncomfortable. And this is where they, you know, they grow leaps and bounds. Yet when we start feeling, because we're, you know, creatures of habit, when we start feeling discomfort, we actually stop right there in our boots and don't move forward. And, you know, we allow fear, fear to consume us. So what is your trick for moving from uncomfortable to comfortable? I think it's to do it in baby steps. You know, I think there's a real difference between your comfort zone, your panic zone, and your stretch zone. And you want to be in stretch. And I, you know, I and a lot of other coaches and top performers and entrepreneurs that I know really have practiced and have got good at staying in that stretch zone. And you know you're in that stretch zone when something feels... um, scary but exciting and there is uh, some kind of a motivation or incentive to move forward and to take some actions even though it might feel uncomfortable in fact it probably will feel uncomfortable and if the piece that you are trying to bite off is too big then it puts you into that you know that panic zone of being stopped in your tracks where you're in paralysis and if you can't do anything then you need to step back and make it slightly less scary for yourself And that doesn't necessarily mean not doing as much or not choosing as big a goal, but how can you make it more comfortable in the the discomfort? And so for me, that often means, you know, working with um, a coach or having an accountability buddy or um, taking it, you know, doing one bit at a time, breaking it down into manageable chunks. So all of those things that are little tips and tricks to make the uncomfortable more comfortable not comfortable but more more acceptable you know know what I mean of course and I like the way you've broken it up too and I love the accountability buddy yes that's great I couldn't I couldn't get by like you don't have to go hire someone right not everyone's in that position um or it just isn't possible for everybody but everybody can find someone uh who maybe has a similar goal or who they trust or who they you know want to have some fun with or maybe just want to hang out with more um and i quite often have what i call a status meeting um, with a friend so our only commitment to one another is to catch up once a week at the same time and give her a status report on the thing that we're working on and it doesn't again it doesn't need to be you don't need to um tell the other person off if they haven't done it it's not a, your job to coach them or to give them uh, to give them support and encouragement yes but not necessarily to to do anything other just to witness their progress 
It's true because once you verbalize what you're, you know, what you're planning to, uh, you know, what you aspire to be and what your what your plan is, and to have an accountability buddy, it does create movement. It helps you move forward so that, you know, uh, I do that with some people where we kind of um, kind of coach each other, but not really coaching. I guess it's like an accountability buddy, but when we catch up, we make sure that we have um, achieved our action that we set for ourselves in our last meeting. So there's always movement we're always moving forward and very much like yourself we're not there to tell them or you know um you know it's good or bad it was it's it's completely up to ourselves but by having some, by verbalizing it and having somebody to keep you accountable to your goal really helps me things move forward absolutely and and often we've not the whole point of this is to that it's something new right it's something that's outside of your comfort zone and so you may not get it right the same the first time or it, you know you might have just the action that you've um decided you're going to take is too big or maybe it was too small and you could have done more um but you don't know because it's the first time you're doing this thing and we can i have a lot of women tell me about their self-sabotaging or this you know this kind of buzzword and really that just means i haven't done it before the first time i did it it, I well, it wasn't the outcome I expected, and so I'm not good enough. So I'm going to stop. But if you have somebody else there, and you're saying that to them, they'll just repeat back to you or mirror back what they've heard you say, and then you'll hear it f- for real and be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I have only done that once. Maybe I'll do it again." Okay, love it. So, what advice would you give your younger self? believe in yourself trust yourself a little bit more um, experiment and explore and go about it all with a bit more curiosity and be less less attached to the outcome oh, and that how hard can that be sometimes well I shouldn't even say that that's I'm, I'm <laughs> setting out an intention on time it's hard I know that p- people find it difficult to not focus on the outcome they've so focused on the having and the doing rather than the being and it's always the other way around you know this you know we are human beings for a reason and you know and the focus is always about a bigger car a bigger house more money and so they you know they're chasing their tail working really long hours and really hard so they're doing in that doing it's very much the be do have model instead of just being you know what what is that emotion you want to connect with uh that's you know and it might be freedom whatever that may be so why not be that right now and how does that play out on your day-to-day basis? So it's um, it's it's one of those things that, you know, to not focus on the outcome, I find people focus on the outcome too much. You know the quote that I was telling you about with the monk, with the like, what's the point, what's the purpose of life? Yes. Is to live, so are you. And that's why that's the thing that I come back to because if you're so focused on the outcome, are you really living? Yeah. Or are you just existing in order to create and have or like you say, be something that as soon as it arrives, you're going to want something else anyway, because that's human nature. Yes. So true. So who's been your greatest influence? If, if, you th- if you could think of one particular person, who's been one of those people that really has um, been a big influence on you? Oh, my family, you know, my, oh, they, I have, and, and the people around me have been so... Uh, I was really lucky, really. I was born into into a world, into an environment that was encouraging of my dreams. And so that has been a huge influence because I believed that it was possible for me. And 
whatever I wanted could happen. Um, these days, anybody who is being courageous and reaching for their dreams one step at a time and taking action of it um, inspires me and, and are influential to me. You know, I surround myself with peers who are on a similar path doing their own thing. And I really believe that we are like the five people we spend the most time with. And so we need to choose them wisely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So if you had to pick one word that best describes your personal brand, what would be that one word? I want to say misfit and then I want to say maven. Um, really, it's misfit. You know, it's really about doing things in a unique way, in a, in a way that is personal to you that's kind of slightly outside of the box. Yeah, and I when you say misfit, I always look at going against the grain, doing something completely the opposite to what everybody else is doing. It's not, yeah. not kind of fitting in with you know. I, I think that I, I I think that's my point of focus. Is probably my interpretation. So when I think about doing something, I think about how is everybody else doing it. I'm going to do completely the opposite. So it's it's that misfit. I don't fit in with I guess the the direction of something. Absolutely. I mean, for me, it's not necessarily exactly the opposite. It's just looking at it in a different way. Like if everybody else is looking at this like this, well, why? It's And for me, it's about challenging that status quo. Just why? Yeah. Yes, the famous why. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, funny. When I was training to be a coach, they, uh, the suggestion is that why is not a question that you ask because um, apparently there's a judgmental connotation or a tone to it. But it's my favorite question. Question, yes. because if you don't know why, then what? Then what's the point? You know. I know, but you know, it's uh, I did too, and I went to school. I think it was about eighteen years ago, and I did uh, coaching school, and they did said the same thing. But you know, now with neuroscience and all of this stuff, now is by getting to the why, you get to the unconscious drivers. And I always talk about the five whys. You know, it's it's one of those things that if you want to get to the root cause of something. You ask the five whys. So, for example, if you're working with someone and, you know, they, they come in late and uh, you say, oh, why are you late? And I say, oh, you know, my car broke down. Oh, why did your car break down? Well, um, I just ran out of petrol. Oh, did, did, you could have called me. Like, why did you run out of petrol? Um, because I didn't have any money on me. Oh, well, you didn't have any money on you? You didn't even have a credit card? No, I went out last night and I blew it all on the casino. So, you know, if we don't get down to, and kids are great at it. They always ask, why, why, why? But if you don't get down to, and of course, it's you've got to be creative in the way that you are asking the questions because I'm sure that if you were sitting there going, why, why, they might throw something at you. But you can see that by deep dives, and I always use why. Why is, you know, even Simon Sinek, he talks about the why is the unconscious driver. Yeah. 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 So, Ebony, we always, at the end of our show, as we wrap up, we always ask our beautiful guests to give us three golden nuggets uh, to give to our listeners. So, what would be your three golden nuggets for our listeners? Catherine, I know I wrote really wonderful things down for you, but I can't. Um, I didn't get to save that form because it wouldn't let me, and I really want to share those. So I can uh, help you on that if you like, and you can talk me Thank through you. it. How about that? So the first that one you had was cultivate and listen to your intuition. You are the wisest person you know. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so did you want to add to that or...? 
No, you really are the wisest person you know. And, that, you know, there are all sorts of uh, techniques and tips that you can discover to connect with that intuition um, and to take, and again, you know, we've touched on it today quite a lot, but really about being more and doing less. Yes, yes. I've got, I've got to practice that one myself. Uh, the second one was do the work, do whatever you need to do to make peace with yourself. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it's really the um, idiosyncrasy between doing and being. Um, it's one of the reasons I love yoga so much personally, because there's, you know, effort and output, but then there's also complete relaxation. And so when I say do the work and make peace with yourself, it might sound like they're opposing one another, um, but the work might not be doing. It might be more being, it might be, yeah, resting more. Yeah. Okay. And the third one was courage is being fearful and taking action anyway. Yeah. And again, we've, we've talked about that again today. You know, people often say to me, oh, you're so brave. You're so courageous. And to me, courageous uh, is an action. It's a, it's a doing word. Um, if you are scared or you're fearful and you move forward anyway, that's courage. Absolutely. Well, Ebony, it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you on the show tonight. How do our uh, tribe connect with you? How do they find you? The best thing to do is to go to entrepreneurenabler.com um, and or I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Ebony Allard. Thank you so very much for your time and for your words of wisdom. It's been amazing. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Me too. Take care. And you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. That brings us to the end of the show. If you have any questions, please send us an email to jennifer at iamwomanproject.com.au or twitter at iamwomanproject and we will get right back to you. If you were listening to this podcast on iTunes, please make sure you leave a review or rating about the show. We would love to hear your thoughts. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, please take care.